Amen. I'm glad I came to church today. Are you glad? Amen. Man, isn't God awesome? Our God reigns. This is powerful. You guys, I, I love it. Just, man, last week it was just powerful when we were worshiping God together. It's just everybody just had one heart. They had one mind. They had one voice. Everybody was just giving God their very best. And today, you guys, we just did it again where we just come together as a church and where we worship God. And you're just, you, you just feel that connection with God like he's just right up against you, you know, just like you're crammed in the backseat of a car with your brother and sister and there's nothing between you. And you feel like that with God where you're just like, yeah, except instead of pushing him away, you're saying, yeah, get closer, get closer. And you just feel that closeness with God. Isn't it powerful? See, that's what happens whenever people get in unity. That's what happens whenever people come together. That's what happens whenever we unite under one banner, with one heart, with one mind, and with one accord. Now, we're going to be sharing for the next few weeks a new series called A New Season. And it's more than just a catchy name and a snazzy stage design. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, somebody came to church today. I'm glad. See, I truly believe that God is moving in our church, and I believe that it's a new season, and he's moving us into this, and as he is, I want us to focus on how we as a church and as individuals can be stronger, more effective, and how we can move forward with a purpose that's burning in our hearts to see change and to see growth. So if you brought your Bible today, I want you to go ahead and turn over to 1 John chapter 4. If you're taking notes today, you can write this down, the foundation of moving forward. Because before we start talking about all of the exciting things, before we start talking about all of the dreams and plans that God's put in your pastor's heart and all the things that I want to share with you, before we even go there talking about a new season, we've got to lay the foundation for change. We've got to lay the foundation for the season that God is calling us to embark upon as individuals and as word of grace here in Sheboygan Falls. So, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is what? God's love. God's nature is love. It's who he is. It's his very DNA. It's his makeup. It's not something that he does. It's who he is. God doesn't do love. God is love. That's his very character, his nature, his makeup. He is love. And you and I have got to get that today, that, uh, that he is more than just our loving father. He is more than just someone who sent his son to die on the cross for us. It's more than just actions. It's his very nature and character. It's the very fiber that makes God who he is. The Bible says that God is love. And John wrote this here. He was the last surviving apostle and as he was writing this, he had been through a few things. He had been through some experiences. And he was writing this epistle to the body of Christ um, because there were a lot of people that were trying to teach heresy, that were coming out and saying all of these different ways to find enlightenment or to find God. And the main thing that John was battling in this epistle that he was writing is that he was actually 
attacking people who were teaching what's called Gnosticism. And they were teaching this Gnosticism, which basically was trying to tell folks that your spiritual enlightenment comes through your mind, and it's only for a select few individuals. In other words, there's a whole group of people that, just too bad, so sad, they're not going to be enlightened, they're not going to be able to get it because they're not as spiritual as someone else. You know, we think that's funny when we talk about Gnostics and all these different things and, and John attacking and writing against this heresy, this false teaching in this epistle, 1 John, again, over and over and over, he reiterates love. So he's telling them, listen, it doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter how enlightened you may look. It doesn't matter how spiritual everybody may think that you are. If you do not have love as the foundation of your life, then you don't even know God. He said, if you don't love, he said, you don't know God because God is love. It's that simple. He said, this is the core this is the core of what you and I have to have. This is the foundation. He was saying someone who really knows God is going to carry the character of God. Someone who really understands him, someone who really knows him and has a relationship with him is going to have displays of his character and that is simply love. Now Jesus said the same thing in the book of John chapter 13. So go ahead and turn over there if you would like John chapter 13. 13, not 1 John, the book of John, big John, not little John, even though it's the same guy. He was little when, he, when, when, when all this was going on, though, so yeah, there you go. John 13, Jesus said the same thing. Check this out. John 13, and let's read verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now pay attention to verse 35. He said, by this, all, somebody say all, all, will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. He said, listen, there's going to be a mark. There's going to be a calling card. There's going to be a character trait that everyone who follows me is going to possess. Everybody's going to have it. And this is how you're going to know that, that you belong to me. This is how other people, this is how all are going to know. You're going to be marked with my character, with the very fiber, the very core of who I am, what makes me God. You are going to be marked with that if you have love one for another. Everybody's going to know there's something different because you've been marked with love. And that's how people know the difference. So the common character trait that we must possess to move forward is love. Now, as we're talking about a new season, as we're talking about moving forward, as we're talking about embracing the things that God wants us to embrace, as we move forward, as we're talking about vision, all these wonderful things that we're going to talk about in the weeks to come that are just going to get you all excited and get us all jazzed up, we don't even need to go there until we get the foundation to move forward. And that's that common character trait that we as a body here in Sheboygan Falls, as word of grace, as a church, as we need to possess, is love. We've got to have that. Amen, somebody? Amen. You see, in other words, Jesus was, he, he, he was trying to let us know that this is the most important part, the most important mark, the most important thing that others are going to be able to identify in you that you belong to me. I want to show you something else in the book of Mark chapter 12, 
Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. Jesus is having a, a conversation here with some of the religious leaders of that day. And the Bible says in verse 28, Mark chapter 12, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, and asked him, asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all. In other words, Jesus was teaching them and telling them, uh, giving them words of life, and all of a sudden they all grouped up together, all the religious leaders, and then they all drew straws, and they said, hey, you, go ask him. <laughs> you know, I, who's going to do it? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, right? You, you go ask him. Go ask Jesus' question. And so he's kind of the representative of the group, and he goes up to him and says, um, uh, Jesus, um, out of all the commandments, what's, what's, what's the greatest one of all here? He's trying to see what Jesus is going to say. Verse 29, Jesus said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I want you to pay attention to that. Jesus said the first thing. He said the commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30, And you shall love one another. You shall love the Lord, I'm sorry. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is just like it. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now Jesus saw that. He answered wisely. He said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared answer, ask a question after that. That was it. That silenced the crowd. That silenced all of those that would try to come against him or would try to say anything that would challenge him anymore because they knew this guy knew the answers. They knew that he had the truth. And whenever he said that, they were like, whoa, we're, we're not going to try to catch him in a trap anymore. Because whenever he said that, he, he spoke. And then this guy says it to him. He says, you're getting it, pal. That's what he was telling him. You're not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, your, your, your thinking is aligned with what it should be aligned with. You're, you're starting to capture the heart of God a little bit. You're beginning to understand that, you know, if you love your neighbor as yourself, if you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you do these things, then all of the other commandments are going to be taken care of in those things. You're not going to covet. You're not going to steal. You're not going to murder. You're not going to do all these other things that all of these laws have been written and all these little things that have been going on. You're not going to have to worry about that because you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself. You've got that taken care of. So Jesus was saying, this is the kingdom of God. This is the stuff that the kingdom of God is built on, is love. It's love for God and it's love for one another. And here's what he said that really interests me as I was studying this that leaped off the pages as I was reading this, the very first thing that Jesus said before he even began to address love was he said, the Lord God is one. Why don't you think about that for just a second? Before he even started talking about love, before he started rattling off the, the which commandments that he was going to tell him was the most important, he, he said, the Lord is one. That's the first thing he led off with. And I'm like, the, the, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. What's going on with that? He, said, he was showing them that this love thing that I'm about to share with you, what I'm about to give you is the key to being in unity. This is the key to being on the same page with God. Oh, I wish somebody came to church today. 
I said the key to being in unity, the key to being one with God is love. You see where we're going as a church and where God is leading us. I want to make sure that I'm in tune with what God wants. Don't you? We all need to make sure that as we move forward in our lives and in together as Word of Grace, that we want to be in tune with what God wants. And the way to be in tune with God, the way to be in unity with God, is to begin to display His character and allow His character to shape us and change us. And that character is love. That's the common character trait that we have to possess to move forward. We've got to get, even Jesus, he prayed a prayer for unity in the book of John chapter 17. I'm going to turn over there real quick. You can write it down. John 17 and verse 6, Jesus said, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all the things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and that they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. Here's Jesus. He's praying for his disciples. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given to me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they would be one as we are one. He keeps on praying. He says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that what the scripture might be fulfilled. He's talking about Judas. But now I come to you that these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be as one. You, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I am in them and you are in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me and have loved them just as you have loved me. Now, first of all, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for the leaders. He's praying for those who are gonna carry his message of truth and love and forgiveness into the world. He's praying for those and he says, now for this to work, they've gotta be in unity. So I'm gonna pray, God, make these guys that you have given me as these who are going to carry the gospel out into the world, make them one because this is the only way this thing's going to work. And then he says, now, those that are going to hear, all those people that are going to hear, whenever they hear it, make them one too. Make them one just like we're one, just like we are connected, just like we are one. Make, make them one like that where there's, there's no separating us, there's, there's no division there's no lying, there's no backbiting, there's no spreading gossip and rumors where there's no talking about something that I don't like or going behind someone's back. Make them one as we are one because that's the only way this thing is going to work.
Are you hearing me today, church? You see, for us to move forward, for us to be who God has called us to be, we've got to be one. We've got to be in unity. Because where there's unity, there's strength. Amen? If you can get somebody in unity, if you can get people in unity with what God wants, with His character, that is the very foundation. If you don't have that solid foundation, you can construct ideas, you can construct programs, you can tell somebody what this is going to look like and what this is going to be, and they can get all jazzed up and all excited and all giddy and it all fall apart if the foundation isn't in place. Amen. So for us to build upon the right foundation of where God would have us go in our lives and as a church, we've got to possess this common character trait that is love because it brings unity. It brings unity. And we've got to have that. Look at somebody and say, we've got to have unity. Like five people said that. How are we supposed to be in unity if I can't get you to say we've got to have unity at the same time? Let's try that again. In unity as one. Ready? Look at somebody and say we've got to have unity. Now look at somebody else on your other side. Even if there's nobody there, there will be somebody there one day. And tell them, say, we've got to have unity. Look at that faith chair. Tell them. <laughs> That's that faith chair that's your responsibility to fill next week. Amen, somebody. Woo, preacher's preaching right now. Hey. All right. This new season that God is bringing us into is going to require that we, as a church, walk in unity because the only way to accomplish this is to allow God's character to shine through our lives, to allow his love to overtake us and work in us and through us. Love's got to be the foundation, and it will be the foundation for word of grace and for your family and for your life and for where God is wanting to take you and where God is wanting to take us as a local body of believers. Amen? If you believe that, say amen like you mean it. Amen. There you go. Third point this morning, I want you to write this down. Love is something you do when you feel like it. Oh, okay. I had a typo there. I'm sorry. Love is something you do regardless of how you feel. Because sometimes you don't feel like love. What is love? What, what kind of love are we talking about here? Are we talking about the kind of love that just lets somebody just run over me that I never stand up for myself? No, 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 no. Love is honest. Love is telling the truth. Love is standing up for what you believe in, but yet love is also accepting someone wherever they may be in life. You know... There was a guy that came into my family's life for a little while, and he dated my sister, and my family was none too happy about it because he wasn't of the same belief that my family was. And, you know, it was just one of those things that she was young, she was just wanting to kind of do her own thing, and so she began to date this Muslim guy, and we were both raised in a Christian home, and she brought this guy in almost as a defiance to you know, the way that we were raised and everything. And whenever he would come around, um, you know, she, she was in college and out there doing her thing. But whenever 
we would all get together and he would be around or I would go see my sister in college and he would be around. I found myself treating this guy very poorly because I was angry that my sister was dating this guy that was obviously, you know, you know that's, that was obviously not the way that we wanted things to go because, you know, they were unequally yoked together. She was unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. And uh, I, I treated the guy really poorly and God convicted me about it one day. And he said, how is this guy ever supposed to see Jesus in you if you don't ever show him love? Boom. Oh, man. Now, that doesn't mean I approve of his lifestyle and the choices that he has made. That doesn't mean that I'm given a, 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 a green check and a green light and two thumbs up for that connection there and that relationship. But God said, I died for that guy just as much as I died for you. And the only way he's ever going to find me as the truth is if you show him my character. And so I had to repent, and I had to start treating this guy with love. Now, he knew where I stood. I was honest with him and up front, and I told him what I believed and where I stood. But yet at the same time, whenever he came around, I began to treat him differently. And they broke up, you know, a few months later. But who knows that maybe that short time that he spent with someone showing him the love of God could have invested something in him, and then someone else begins to water that seed that was planted in him, and then God bring an increase in his life, and one day, who knows what could happen from that. It's not my job to produce those kind of results. The Bible says it's my job to plant and my job to water. The Bible says that some plant, some water, but God, he's the one that brings the increase. And so it's our job to be faithful, loving someone, even when we don't feel like it. Sometimes you've got to love somebody by faith. Don't look at anybody. Just say amen and nod your head. Look straight forward. Sometimes you've got to love somebody by faith because you don't feel like it. But check this out. This is a, a great chapter here in 1 Corinthians 13 that lets us know what the real deal is. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love... I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I'm just making a bunch of racket. I can pray the best prayer. I can even pray in tongues of angels. I can even pray in the spirit. I can even sound very spiritual. But you know what? If I don't have love, I'm just making a bunch of racket. It's what the Bible says. <laughs> and though I have the gift of prophecy, <laughs> aren't you special? And understand all mysteries and knowledge. And though I have faith so I could move mountains. But if I have love, I got nothing. Wow. Sometimes we look at people and we see what all they can do and how spiritual they appear. And we see how, wow, a person, man, they got it together. And if they don't have love, he said, they're just making a bunch of noise. Because they're not displaying my true character. Because everything I do, you've got to understand this. Oh, wrap your mind around this this morning. Everything that God does, even the hard things that we don't like, that we don't understand, are all motivated by love. Because that's the only way God can do it. He can't do it any other way. So that means if he tells you something that's hard for you to hear, hard for you to receive, or if you read something in the scripture that you just go, oh, I don't like that part, it's motivated by love. You know, sometimes we have this really 
jacked up view of God where we have this distorted view where we see him as someone who doesn't want us to have any fun. He wants to take away all these things from us and put us in this little box and we have to be a good little Christian boy and a good little Christian girl. We have to do all these things. God's just so mean and he's so disappointed in us because we're just blowing it and he's just constantly taking things away from us. Ha, 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 you can do nothing. You have to watch Christian television all the time. You can't watch anything else. You can't do anything, you know. And, and we feel like we're in this box. We feel like we can't do anything else. We feel so restricted sometimes. That's how we view God, and that's a distorted view of God. That's a distorted view of God. Now, yeah, whenever you become a Christian, there are things that you definitely need to stay away from, but the motivation for you staying away from those things is not to box you in, but to free you because the motivation behind it is love. Because God knows what's best. God knows what is best, and he knows what is going to contaminate our minds and our hearts. He knows what we're going to open the door in our lives that's going to lead us to make poor decisions later. And so he's trying to motivate us and encourage us and instruct us and correct us and guide us and lead us into all truth, and he does it by love, even when you don't like it. You ever had to discipline your children before, and you tell them, I love you? And they're like, yeah, right. If you loved me, you wouldn't let me, you, you, you wouldn't ground me or you wouldn't spank me or you wouldn't take this away from me if you loved me. No, 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 you don't understand. I know what's best and I'm trying to help you. And yet it does hurt and yet it does disappoint you. And yeah, it may even make you angry, but I'm doing this because I love you. So you've got to understand, we've got to get rid of this idea of God just, you know, being Santa Claus at the, you know, Thanksgiving parade, throwing out candy to everybody. Oh, that's how God is. Oh, it's not how it works. Sometimes there is that other side of God that you and I have a hard time seeing as love. Right? But it's just as much love. And love is something you do no matter how you feel. I got off on that, but anyways, somebody need to hear it today. If anybody else, it was me. I'll I'll listen to it again. (laughs) Listen to this, verse 3 in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, and if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy it. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Mm, stop right there for a minute. Love endures all things. You know, if you and I understand the character of God and we understand the love of God that he's called each one of us to we wouldn't abandon ship whenever things get tough in our lives we wouldn't jump off of what we've been sticking to we wouldn't jump off of our our the faith that we've been holding on to we wouldn't just simply throw our hands up in the air and give up or get frustrated or get angry and give up on something that God has called us to because the Bible says that love endures Love endures. It endures the tough stuff. Anybody ever been through anything tough? Guys are getting really, really, really quiet this morning. It endures. Man, that's what love does. 
it's committed. It sticks something out, no matter what it is. Whether it's that marriage that's going through that tough time, whether it's that situation with your child, whether it's that financial hardship, whether it's something going on in your family, whether it's something going on in your church. It sticks and endures all things because it's rooted and grounded and founded in love. Somebody better say amen. amen. Because it endures all things. Mm. So that means, that means that where we're going as a church and where God is calling us to and where he's taking us, I'm going to share with you some ideas and some visions and some things that God has dropped in my heart in the weeks to come. And those things may excite you and those things may get you motivated. And you may have ideas and things that you may see and you may get excited about those things too. And we may do some of those things and we're definitely open to ideas and, and creativity and all those wonderful things that God has blessed us with here in our body as a church. But let me tell you something. Sometimes whenever you're moving forward and you're growing and you're going in the right direction, sometimes you've got to go through some hard things. Amen. Now, I hope we never have to go through any hard things as a church. That would be great. It'd be great if we could all just skip down the road holding hands. It'd be wonderful. Let's go do that after church today. It'd be great if we could all just have a good time. But you know what? Sometimes, guys, sometimes you go through a season where, man, you've really got to toughen up and you've got to endure because of the love of God that's on the inside of you. Amen? So I want a group of people in this church that God has called to this church that you are committed that you are going to endure all things whenever we're standing up on top of the mountain and we're high-fiving each other and God's just doing great things and then whenever we're going, where is God? And I didn't get anybody to say amen on that. But there should have been a house full saying amen. Because sometimes things are going great in your life and sometimes things are difficult. Sometimes things are going great on the job and sometimes things are difficult. Sometimes things are going great in your marriage and sometimes things are a little dry and difficult. Sometimes things are going great in a church and sometimes things are a little difficult. And you've got to make the decision to endure all things because you're displaying the character of God. Man, I'm preaching good today. I'm telling you, you guys don't get, whenever I study this stuff out, whenever I prepare these messages, I don't say that to sound cocky or prideful, please don't take it the wrong way, but it just, it, it's so just burning in my heart. I, I hope you can feel that today. I hope you can get that today, that I, I get to hear this message first before you ever hear it, okay, because God speaks it to my heart, and as I was hearing this message, as I was preparing it and studying it, I couldn't wait to preach this message this morning. Because I know that if we can get in unity and if we can love one another and treat one another just like we would want to be treated, if we can display the character of God here at Word of Grace in our church, that there is nothing that we can't do together. It doesn't matter what vision, doesn't matter what idea, doesn't matter what mountain, doesn't matter what thing would be in front of us to face, doesn't matter what we could have to go through. I'm telling you, if we can get this, if we can get on board, if we can link arms, if we can love one another the way God wants us to and get in 
unity, then just like the disciples as Jesus prayed, there's nothing these guys aren't going to be able to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. One claps, everybody claps. You know the rules. Love something you do regardless of how you feel. Sometimes you feel like coming to church, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like going to work, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like cooking breakfast for the kids, sometimes you don't. Some days it's a Pop-Tart day. (laughs) Sometimes you feel like cleaning the house, sometimes you don't. Amen or oh me. Sometimes you don't feel like making right decisions. Sometimes you don't feel like loving somebody especially when they've done you wrong, especially when they're talking bad about you. But you do. You do. You put your best foot forward and you be the bigger person. And you love. Because it's not a feeling. It's because I'm more concerned about pleasing God and displaying His character than I am making a witty comment or spreading some rumors about somebody. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to get through 1 Corinthians 13, am I? (laughs) Where were we at? Verse 8, here's the best part. Here's what love does. In verse 8, the Bible says, love never fails. (laughs) I'll say it again because I liked it. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they're going to fail. Whether there's tongues, they'll cease. Whether there's knowledge, it's going to vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child understood as a child, I thought as a child, but whenever I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know, just as I am also known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. Love never fails. It never fails. We cannot lose if we choose to love. How many of you guys like to be on the winning team? I like to be on a winning team. The other night, I, I saw um, one of our softball teams play, and they won. And I was like, all right, we got the winning team. Not only do we look snazzy in all of our amazing jerseys, because we're all so coordinated out there. <laughs> one claps, everybody claps. <laughs> Not only do we look snazzy, but we won the game. Saw some people make some great saves. Oh, Dave Weed made a great snag or two out there. Trenton busted one out. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. It was a lot of fun, and we won, and it feels good to win. And we all like being on the winning team. But if we walk in love as a church, if we make the decision to walk in love, it's going to unify us, and there's no way we're ever going to be able to fail. How would you like to say there's no way that our church can ever fail? Isn't that awesome? You can say that if you choose to love. I said, you can say that if you choose to love, because here's what it does. Love brings value, and it brings purpose. It gives people that sense of value. It gives them that sense of purpose. Show me someone who is loved. Show me someone who is cared for. Show me someone who is treated the way that you would want to be treated, and that person has purpose reignited in their heart. I want you to write that down. That's your fourth thing this morning. Write down that love brings value and purpose. I'm going to read you one more scripture this morning in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. 
It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Right here, he's saying, when you speak the truth in love, it causes us to grow up into all things, which are the head, Christ. He said, and then every, every part is knit together and joint together, the body of Christ. We're, we're joined and knit together where every part begins to do its share. And whenever that happens, it begins to edify the body and it causes growth in the body. And it edifies itself in love. And it grows itself. Why? Because of love. Because it brings unity one of the greatest things that a church can do is affirm god's love to one another by affirming each other in love we affirm god's love in one another whenever we affirm one another in love whenever we're there for one another whenever we're in unity whenever we love one another like god wants us to i'm i'm talking about a showing mutual appreciation mutual love Mutual concern for one another here as a church. When you love someone enough to show them that they're valuable and that they matter, you know what it does? It gives them a sense of purpose. It does. A lot of people are walking around with no sense of purpose, no sense of value. But whenever they understand that they're loved, all of a sudden things become alive in them that have been sitting dormant for years. When they understand that they're valued by the King of Kings and they're valued by their brother and sister in the Lord, when they understand that, that they matter and that they value, that they're valued, then all of a sudden something comes alive in them and it begins to set off sparks on the inside of them and hope is reignited. Purpose is reignited. And let me tell you, you're not going to be able to stop a group of people that love one another that are ignited and on fire with purpose and passion to do something great for God. You're not going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to stop it. So that's why it's so important for us to walk in that kind of love. We feel that we matter whenever someone shows us value and they love us because they do. Because love never fails to inspire. It never fails to inspire. I'll tell you a quick story. Whenever I went to Mexico on a mission trip, I had this uh, acoustic guitar that I had brought with me, and I had this guitar strap that I just thought was absolutely incredible. It was this huge, wide leather strap, and it had flames down it. I really like fire. I, I really do. And, and any, you know, like, like, especially whenever I was a youth pastor, I had this obsession with things with fire on them, clothing, and even the name of our youth group at one church I was at was called the Fire Starters. So, you know, and we meant fire for the Lord, not like arsonists, but... <laughs> but I, I just, I liked fire, a lot of, you know, things that, that I had, you know, had, had uh, flames and fire and things on. This strap was one of them, and I loved this strap. This was my favorite guitar strap. My wife had gotten it for me, and, and uh, anyways, it, right there on the front of the strap, I had this. Well, whenever we were in Mexico, I connected with this young man named Gabriel, 
And he was my age, and he was in Bible school there in Mexico, and he lived in this town without any electricity that was very, very remote. It was, you know, it took forever to get to the nearest gas station, and they all lived in little adobe homes and everything, and I stayed in the house with him. And even though there was a huge language barrier there, because I don't speak very much Spanish, but I can speak enough to get me in trouble. And he couldn't speak any English except enough to get him in trouble. And so we had a lot of laughs with some of the things I would say and things he would say. And we, we were, but we could communicate. It was the weirdest thing how we could sit there and talk, even though there were, you know, there was that language barrier. And he was a musician. He played the guitar and the piano. And so he and I were sitting on uh, the bed and, and, and he was sitting next to me and he had a guitar and I was, had a guitar and we were singing uh, a song in Spanish that I kind of learned, you know, it was Yes, Lord. And pretty much the words to it were Si, Senor. And I could hang with that. Si, Senor, Si, Si, Senor. I was like, yeah, we were rocking that. Once he got into the verses, though, I had to shut it down and you take the verse, pal. But I could do Si, Senor. And we were sitting there just rocking and rolling. And he made the comment. He said, you know, he said, I, uh, he said, I really like your guitar strap. And he, was, he, was, he just kept touching it. And I knew that's what he was telling me. And uh, I went and got one of the ladies that spoke Spanish and English. And I asked her, you know, what's he saying? And, and, uh, which we had to do like every 15 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and anyways, she came in there and she said, oh, he really likes your guitar strap and everything. And, uh, and that just... I don't know. I knew in my heart I was supposed to give it away, even though I love this guitar strap. I, I really did. And um, I knew I was supposed to give it to him. And it was the last day there, and we were about to leave. And man, I just got hit with the compassion for this guy. And I just started bawling like a baby. I was just sitting there crying as I was hugging him and telling him bye. And I went, and I got my guitar case, and I opened it up. And I gave him that guitar strap. And as soon as I handed it to him, this guy just busts out in tears and just starts just bawling like... You know, uh, he was just so moved and so touched. You see, it, it, it inspired me. Love inspired me to, to give something away. And it also inspired him whenever he received it. You see, it, it was that love of God that compelled me to do that. I didn't understand what this guy was saying. He didn't understand what I was saying. It didn't matter. Love transcended even the language barrier. And it moved me. And then I found out that he was going to have to drop out of Bible school because he couldn't afford the payments. He didn't tell me that, but the missionary we were with told me he couldn't afford the payments. And I had just enough money and pesos left to get him through the rest of the year. And instead of me going back and cashing that over and getting it back in American dollars, I gave him, and it was just a few hundred dollars that I gave him. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough to get him through the rest of the year. And it motivated me, and I wanted, I, I wanted to check up on him. And we would email each other back and forth, and we stayed in contact for a number of years. What, what caused that right there? What was the connection there? It was the love of God in my heart, and it was the love of God in his heart. Let me tell you something, folks. Love never fails to inspire. Let someone know today that they're loved. Can you do that? Let someone know today that they're loved here at this church. Let someone know here that they're appreciated. Let that nursery worker know that you appreciate them taking care of your children so you can sit in the service and not have to worry about anything. Let the sound man or the guy running the computer or the lights know you really appreciate all those things going on behind the scenes. Let someone that's out there making you coffee that you can enjoy, let them know that they're valued and that they're appreciated. Whenever you begin to tell people that you appreciate them and that they're valuable, they begin to feel this mutual love, just like me and this guy did in Mexico. When people feel that they matter, 
Drop somebody a card. Send somebody an email. You have no idea the kind of day they may have been having, and God may have just put them on your heart for that moment. As a matter of fact, I, I knew I was going to ask people to do this, so I asked Alyssa to get us some postcards and put them out there on the guest services. So we should have some postcards available at guest services that actually have our Word of Grace stuff. If you want to grab a few of them and just write somebody a card and just tell them thanks or, hey, I was just thinking about you today. Let someone know that they're valued and appreciated. I, I guarantee you, if you start treating people that way and we start doing that as a church and we start loving on one another and letting one another know that we value one another, if, if someone is sick, give them a call or someone that you are friends with, they, they didn't show up for church, fi find out why. Make sure that they're okay. It, it, you see, if we have this kind of love for one another, that we care about one another, it moves us to action, it's going to create this crazy unity like you've never seen before. Because people actually know that, when, that they're cared about, that they're loved. Amen? And it begins to ignite purpose. That value does. It begins to, I've got a purpose. I'm, and, and, and that's the kind of purpose that will develop stick-to-itiveness. That will keep you there during the good times and the bad times and the tough times. That kind of stick-to-itiveness where you're, you're connected, you're apart because you know God has called you. It's the foundation to our church. It's the foundation to this new season. It's the foundation of where God is calling us by making us more unified as a team to make an impact for the kingdom of God. So let's, let's share the love today as a church. After church today, we're going to do something kind of fun. I know it's only 10 o'clock, but after church today, we're going to have ice cream. How cool is that, right? And why are we doing that? Because we just want you to hang out. We want you to go get some ice cream and hang out. And here's what I'm going to challenge every one of you to do. Everybody is everybody, right? So I'm going to challenge everybody to do this. I want you to go up to somebody today that you don't know their name and you don't know who they are, and I just want you to introduce yourself to them. Can you do that? Can you do that? Can we as a church make the decision to introduce ourselves to someone that we don't know? And just say, hey, my name is probably Mike, because there's a lot of guys in church named Mike. <clears throat> That's the fail-safe. That's the fail-safe. If you don't know somebody's name, go with Mike, and you'll probably hit the nail on the head. We've got, we've got a few guys named Mike here. So the good ones, right, Pastor? Right, right. But I want you to go introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know today. Make that a priority. I'm not saying you've got to become their new best friend. But I'm saying at least introduce yourself and get to know someone else today in the church. I think it will be a great thing for us to do. It will be a great way to immediately put into practice what you've been taught today. Isn't that simple? Do you know something as simple as that can go a long way? I mean a long way. So I want you to meet somebody that you don't know today or that you've never met before. Maybe you, they've been here for a while and you've seen them and they've told you their name before, like a lot of people did with me, and you've got to go ask them again. you just got to swallow that pride. I know you told me your name like 20 times, but I, I, can you give it to me one more time? I'm sorry, I, I'm working on it. I'm telling you guys, church, church is the body of Christ. It's not somewhere you go 
It's who you are. Church is who we are. It's not something we punch in and punch out. We are the body of Christ. When you go home, you're the body of Christ. When you go to work, you're the body of Christ. You're a part of this local body here that's called Word of Grace, but you are the body of Christ, and He's the head. And the body should possess the character of the head. The head is Christ. We need to possess His character. And His character is what? It's love. God is love. It's a new season. Where we're going as a church has got to be founded, rooted, and grounded in love. So let's let love today take a hold of our heart and inspire us and motivate us to take action. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? There's somebody in here that would say, Pastor, I need to experience that love of God that you've been talking about. I want to know God in that kind of a way, and I've never known Him in that way. I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and I want that love to be in my heart. And if that's you and you say, I want that love of God to be in my heart, I want to know that my life is right with Jesus Christ. If you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know that you're here. Just simply put your hand up and put it back down. I see those hands. See those hands? You can put them back down. I see those hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? There's no shame here. Maybe you've been away from Christ. Maybe you just haven't been living your life the way that you know that is a way that would please God. And you say, I, I really feel like that I want to make a serious commitment to Him today. Anybody like that in here today? Just simply put your hand up. Put it back down. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put it back down. Church, would you say this prayer with me today? Say, Jesus, I want to experience your love. The love that forgives sins and makes me new that I can give away to others. So I say today that you died on the cross, that you were buried, and that you rose again for me. I confess you today as my Lord and my Savior and ask you to make my heart your home. I'm never going back. I'm never going to be the same. Today I'm different because of the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer...